The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Josh Romano, one of the pastors here on church. I actually serve uh, in a part-time capacity. I work outside of the church full-time. Uh, and my role's changing a little bit here, so you'll hear some of that. You'll hear some of those, those changes in the coming weeks, in the coming months. And my wife, Kristen, who's sitting here on the front row, we've been married for almost 13 years. And we've got three awesome kids, Addison and Gabby. And I always introduce them together because Addie and Gabby, uniquely, they have the same birthday, but they're a year apart. So exactly the same birthday year part. It's really funny when they were little, people would be like, oh, what's your birthday? Well, May 14th. And then the other one, May 14th, they'd be like, oh, you guys are twins. They're like, no. And people would be like, I don't think your kids understand. I'm like, no, they're just a year apart. <laughs> uh, and then our son, Elijah, who is six. And I've got a video that I want to show you guys of my family. Now, before I show this video, it's important that I add some context. Otherwise, you're going to think I'm just a big jerk. Um, Anybody been to a Frontier City or amusement park? Anybody ever been to one? Anybody ever take your kids to an amusement park? Um, well, the first time we ever took the kids to Frontier City, uh, we're walking in, and when you walk in, you go to the left, and that's where they have all the kids' stuff. And then there's this boat. If you've ever seen the boat that goes back and forth on the highway, you can see it. Relatively not that scary of a ride. And that's what we told our kids uh, when they were young. We just wanted to make sure, hey, it's great. It's going to be a good family ride. We can all ride it together. And uh, like a normal dad in this uh, world that we live in today, I made sure that I had my phone out just in case you catch something funny. And this is what happened. Addie thinks it's pretty funny. That's Addie over there laughing. And then this is Elijah. Hey, bud. Uh, I know some of you are looking up going, you are a terrible parent. You would do the same thing or you've done the same thing. Uh, just disclaimer, they're good. Like no damage, like they've, everything's good. But I showed you that video because this morning, we're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to talk about forgiveness. And that was one that we absolutely had to go, hey, kids, we're sorry. And fortunately, our kids forgave us. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about this morning. I think oftentimes, it's actually easier for us to offer, ask for forgiveness than it is for us to offer forgiveness. Like when we're wrong, we know that it's easier. Okay, hey, I was wrong. But man, when someone wrongs us, sometimes it's hard to release forgiveness. And you know, one of the things that I've loved about this series that we're in is when we met with Pastor Josh, he said, hey, I want you guys to really just pray and seek the Lord on what it is that you would, you would share. And I had this idea of this message that I was really excited about. And as we got closer to this weekend, the Lord really started to shift that message. And I felt like, no, it needs to be on the subject of forgiveness. And as I was thinking about it, I think the reason why it's so timely, and I believe it's a timely word, is because when you look at the world that we live in today, man, are we in a mess. We're in a mess. And I'm not necessarily speaking politically or anything like that, but I, I believe 
that the bitterness and the hatred that we see in the world today exists because there are now more people than ever in human history that have unforgiveness in their heart that they haven't dealt with. Matter of fact, we almost like perpetuate it. It's like, it's a, man, don't give that up. Like, hang on to that. They, what they did was wrong. And you just see it, that it's like become this thing that like we just water it and water it and water it. And man, unforgiveness has taken root. You know, I, I love what Pastor Tondra, I said last week, he talked about like in the um, political sphere, like what would just happen where you have these people that'll say these things that are, we don't know if they're true. We don't know if they're untrue, but what ends up happening, and as I was thinking about that last week, the Lord actually showed me something in, in the day and age that we live in because of social media and because of the access that we have to news and internet, you don't have to know somebody to have unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart towards them. Like, that's something that's changed. It used to be you used to have proximity and relationship. Now we can hear something or see something and just go, I don't want to have anything to do with them. And then what ends up happening is people that look like them, talk like them, walk like them, we end up associating them with them. And then when God brings those types of people into our life to actually minister to us, we just go, nope, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Like because of an experience that was based off of something that you heard or maybe think is true, unforgiveness and bitterness is set in. And we have to be careful with it because here's one of the things that we have to understand. Um, you know, this isn't a message just about people who have wronged you. It's, it's understanding that like, it's gonna be for the people that will wrong you or try to get you in the future. Because one of the things that we have to understand is this is something we're gonna have to deal with for the rest of our life. Like biblically speaking, you can't avoid this. You can't avoid people who are gonna try to offend you. It doesn't matter how sweet you are. It doesn't matter how pure you are, how good of a Christian you are. Like the enemy is gonna figure out a way to introduce someone or something in your life to where if you're not careful, bitterness and unforgiveness is gonna root up. Look at what it says in Matthew 24, 10. It says, and many will be offended. They'll betray one another and they'll hate one another. Man, don't we see that in the world we live in today? Are there any Big 12 fans in here this week? <laughs> uh, I was with Jake Libert last night. Now, he's an OSU fan, so it's okay. I'm an OU fan, as most of you guys know. But he was like, he's like, man, as soon as you said that, I thought, dadgummit, I'm going to have to be careful not to develop hatred towards the Sooners for leaving the Big 12. So this is, this is relevant, right? But we have to understand that, man, that's the world we see. And like, it's not even so much as I can't disagree with you. If we don't see eye to eye, I got to hate you, have unforgiveness in my heart towards you. I got to have bitterness. It's like what we see. Look at what Jesus says in Luke. It says, then he said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offenses should come. It's just going to happen. There are people out there that if they took the Myers-Briggs personality spiritual assessment test, it's not coming back ISTJ, it's coming back J-E-R-K, jerk. <laughs> They're just out there. And you're going to meet them. Some of them, you know, you work with them. Don't raise your hand if you live with them. Like, it's just, those people exist. And we have to, we have to, really, we have to really guard against this. You know, one of the, one of the things about unforgiveness is... I've heard it said this way, and, and I think most of you can probably agree with me on this, and maybe you've heard this too, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison expecting somebody else to be affected by it. 
And as I was thinking about that, I've heard it said this, unforgiveness just hurts you. And you're right, it hurts you. But I'll also say this, when we walk around with unforgiveness, there's collateral damage that takes place because it doesn't just hurt us, it hurts those around us who love us who had nothing to do with the offense. Like the bitterness that develops. Proverbs talks about how to beware of a uh, offended brother. Beware of an offended brother because uh, they become unyielding and their hearts become guarded like the gates of a citadel. What that's basically saying is, is when we're offended, we start to say things that we're... Have you ever found yourself saying something going, man, where did that come from? That's not me. That's not me. Or when somebody really wants to help you or whatnot, again, what does it say? Our hearts become guarded like the gates of a citadel. Look at what it says here. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, 14 through 15, I love this. It says that we're to pursue peace with all people and holiness for without which no one will see the Lord. Like, man, if that doesn't hit you hard this morning, <laughs> if this isn't something we pursue, people aren't gonna see God in our life. They're just not gonna see God. Look at what it goes on to say. It says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up causing trouble and by this many become defiled. So, Understand this, forgiveness or unforgiveness is a road that we can go down that leads to one place and one place only, and it's death. When we walk around with unforgiveness, we're not gonna have influence. I was thinking about it this way too. One thing that the enemy does a really good job of is when we have unforgiveness, we start to isolate ourselves because we go, I don't wanna be around people that are gonna hurt me. And the other side of it is people aren't gonna wanna be around you because you're now hurting them. And so now you find yourself in isolation and here's what ends up happening is you become bitter alone and you lose the ability to have empathy and sympathize with others because you just can't connect with them. And now you're going, that's just, it's just what it is. I'm just, I'm an angry, I'm an angry person. And so we have to be careful to guard against that. So how do we, how do we forgive? What's, what's our objective on what do we do to look to forgive? And I love this verse in Hebrews 12. It's Hebrews 12 verse two, and it's gonna be kind of the position that we take in thinking about forgiveness this morning. So Hebrews 12 two, out of the message, it says, now keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Now this is the reason why I use the message translation because I love this next part. Study how he did it. Write that down. If you've got notes, make sure you put that in there because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God that he could pick up anything along the way, the cross, the shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. So we're to look to Jesus and see how Jesus did this. And when you look at the context of that original scripture, one of the things that it says when we're to look unto Jesus, it means that we're to look to Jesus with so much focus and so much attention that we can't see anything else. Like our focus is so zeroed in on how he did it. And I started thinking to myself, okay, like we all have peripheral. So how do we, how do we block out the peripheral? And here's what the Lord showed me. If we're going to look to Jesus to see how he did this or anything else, We've got to put blinders up and here's our blinders, the word of God and biblical community because both of those things point us back to Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. And before we get into it, I want to say this. Um, I recognize that in a room that has this many people in it, there are probably many of us in here this morning, whereas I start talking about forgiveness or the subject of unforgiveness, someone's name has already popped into your head. 
Like maybe you're even sitting here going, man, the worship was great, but I did not want to hear this message this morning. (laughs) And here's what I know. If you're not careful, you can just allow whatever it is that's rising up in you to just dominate your thoughts throughout the next couple of minutes and totally miss out on what God wants to have for you this morning. And here's what I know. I know that through the word of God and that by going into this, that you can walk out of here free from unforgiveness that's, that's tied you down. So here's what I want to do. Before we get into this, I, all just, I want all of us to just posture ourselves in prayer and just ask the Lord, hey, if you would come in and if he would fill this place and he would, he would have us hear what we want to hear. So if you would, bow your heads as we go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I thank you so much for your word. And I just pray that over the next few moments as we dig in and as we look at the subject of forgiveness, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see You would give us ears to hear. Lord, I just dismiss any thoughts that would come in the way of receiving what it is that you have for us. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you do what only you can do. And that is that you would speak to every single one of us individually. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, as we think about this subject of forgiveness, there's this book that I've read, and I don't know that if it's in circulation anymore or not. It's an older book. But it's by a pastor in California, and the pastor's Pastor Jack Hayford. I'm sure many of you know who Pastor Jack Hayford is. But he wrote this book called How to Live Through a Bad Day. Now, anybody in here ever had to live through a bad day? All right? Everybody's hands should be able to go up. Yep, have a bad day. How many of you are having a bad day today? Good. Okay, nobody. Um, But it's this idea that when we look to the cross, when we look at what Jesus experienced, like we can see that really... In a lot of ways, that was the worst day. You know, we call it Good Friday. And that's the context of the book is understanding. We call it Good Friday because it was great for us because of what it enabled us to be able to walk into. But for Jesus, it was anything but good. And what he experienced. And in a lot of ways, it was a day unlike many others. or And it it was a day unlike any other, but it was a day like many others. Because everything that Jesus went through we go through that in some form or fashion throughout our day or throughout our week or throughout our life. But I love what it says in Luke 23. If you'll put that up there, it's the position of forgiveness that we're to have. You know, Jesus goes through and experiences everything he experienced, but the moment that that cross gets hoisted up and drops into the ground, the first thing he says is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And what we have to understand is I think a lot of times when people, maybe whether we've offended somebody or we've done something wrong or an offense has been done towards us, if we really understood the level of pain or the level of significance that that can create, I don't think we would do it and I don't think they would do it to us. So for us, I think it's very real for us to sit here and have that same posture and going, Lord, forgive them. They truly don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. And as we look at the final hours of Jesus from the time that he has the Last Supper with the disciples and gets arrested to the time he goes to the cross, Jesus experienced five things in that short span of time that I think in a lot of ways sums up the things that we struggle with forgiving people for. And he went through them in a much tougher, much more in-depth way 
than we could ever imagine. And so if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write this first one down. The first thing Jesus experienced was betrayal. Jesus experienced betrayal. And it wasn't just that Jesus experienced betrayal from someone. Jesus experienced betrayal from someone who was really close to him. You know, Judas was in Jesus's camp. He was actually, what's crazy to think about is he's with Jesus just hours before as Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples and instituting the new covenant through the Lord's Supper. He's with him in close proximity and how many in here know how painful it is to be betrayed by someone that we love, someone who's close to us, someone who knows everything about us, our dark, deep secrets, the things that maybe they use against us and stab us in the back. That's something that Jesus walked through, something that Jesus understood. Number two, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, that it was wrongful accusations. You know, Jesus was accused of things that he didn't do. There were people, here's what's crazy about the trial, is they take him in the middle of the night, and in this time, it was actually, it's illegal to try somebody for a capital punishment in the middle of the night. It was illegal. And he has multiple trials, and then in the process of this, after the trial's already started, they're going out and getting more people and saying, hey, this, you know, we want the conviction. We want to be able to, we want to be able to have, you know, a pilot say, yep, crucify him, send him out. So we're just going to go out and people are coming in and they're throwing false accusations up at Jesus. And as I was thinking about this, a little bit of a side note, this doesn't necessarily have to do with forgiveness. This is why we have to be very careful with where we get our information from. Because I believe this is one of the things that we see in society more than ever. People are going to say whatever, however, make up whatever they want to get their point across and push their agenda. And when you look at social media, when you look at the news, man, if we're not careful, if we, if we don't have an understanding of going, man, I don't necessarily know that that's true or whatnot, if we're developing our opinion based on everybody's accusation of somebody... You're going to have some wrong uh, understanding of who people are. Now, I'll tell you, this was something that I struggled with. It was easy for me um, not long ago for me to believe everything and anything that I heard. And one of the things I love about our pastors and I love about this church is we have a culture of we believe the best. We believe the best. It's one of the things Pastor Josh has helped me out so much with is we have to be careful with what we hear and how we disseminate information because what could happen is we could have a disposition towards someone or some group that is completely false based off somebody else's wrongful accusation. You guys with me this morning? Number three is this, Jesus experienced abandonment. Abandonment. While all that's going on, while the trial's going on, while they're saying all these things about Jesus, nobody's there alongside Jesus. Nobody's there to go, uh, you know what, King, uh, objection, that didn't happen. I was there. Not even Peter, James, or John. Nobody standing there. Jesus is just standing there, abandoned. Maybe some of you in here this morning, you know what that feels like. You know what it feels like to, to have a family member walk out on you. You know what it feels like to, to have a child who, who's left or, or a spouse or I don't know where you're at, but maybe some of you know what that feels like. Number four is Jesus experienced abuse. And he experienced abuse really unlike any person's ever experienced abuse before. Not only did he have the physical abuse, but he took on every, every bit of sin and shame that the world would ever go through. 
You know, in the process of him, before he goes to the cross and as they're beating him up, they blindfold him and they're punching him and going, hey, if you really are who you say you are, then tell us who's throwing this punch. Beat him up so bad that he was unrecognizable to his family. And then number five is humiliation. He was humiliated. They placed a crown of thorns on his head and then as they hung the cross up, he, he hung completely naked. Completely naked, completely beaten and totally humiliated. And I think for us, if we were to look at the things that we experience, <laughs> the things in our life that we go, man, this is really hard to release. You could tie it back to one of those five things is the root, the root thing that you're holding on to. And Jesus knew all this was going to happen. Like, didn't catch Jesus off guard. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. That's why in the garden, he prayed, Lord, if at all possible, let this cup pass. Let it pass. And he understands what we went through or what we're going through. Look at what it says in Hebrews. Now, here's Hebrews 12, 17 through 18. I want to encourage you, take a snapshot, highlight, like, Keep this verse because this verse is so good when you're going through stuff. It's one of those that you can really hold on to and be like, man, regardless of what it is you're going through, it's one of those verses that you can draw strength from. Look at what it says. It says, that's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. So that then when he came before God as high priest to get rid of people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and he'd be able to help where help was needed. Isn't that good news? Like right now, you find yourself in a situation where you're going, man, I don't know that I can offer this forgiveness. I'll just tell you, you can't in and of your own strength. It actually says that Jesus actually sits right now at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding on our behalf. And if you look at that, it's actually a legal term. What it's saying is that Jesus is up there and he's going, hey, you know what, Dad? I, I see Paul praying. I hear his prayers. And you know what, Lord? I know what he went through. Let's help him. He's crying out for help in this area. Let's help him. And it's so good to pull strength and understand. And here's what I want you to understand on this. Like this is how we forgive. This is the process in which we move towards forgiveness is we look to Jesus and we go, okay, this is how I'm gonna posture myself. But what you have to understand is Satan's gonna make you think it's absolutely impossible to do this. Because one of the things about forgiveness is you have to make the decision before you feel like forgiving. And that's why we don't follow our feelings all the time. It's because our feelings can come and go. And so we have to understand that this is a decision that we have to make before we feel like making the decision. And here, let me tell you this. Part of the reason why I think it's hard to walk into forgiveness is because we have a misconception of what forgiveness actually is. Forgiveness is not saying that what was done is now okay. Forgiveness isn't minimizing the offense. Forgiveness isn't going, well, now that I forgave them, what they did what, you know, wasn't wrong or it didn't hurt. No, it was wrong. And it hurt. And it doesn't justify anything. Forgiveness isn't reconciliation. Reconciliation is a two-way street. 
If you're going to reconcile someone, something with somebody, it, there has to be an agreement. And if you wait to reconcile with somebody before you forgive them, you will hold yourself hostage to their agenda and what they want to do, and you will walk around with that. Forgiveness isn't, forgiveness isn't fair. And listen, I know for some of us, that's like, man, but it's not fair. We don't want fair. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want fair. Because all of us has received forgiveness when it wasn't fair for us to walk in that. So forgiveness isn't fair. What forgiveness is, is forgiveness is choosing to lay it down and say, you know what, Lord, I am not going to carry this around. I'm not going to allow this bitter root to develop because listen, where there's a bitter root, there's bitter fruit. And so we're going to sit here and say, nope, we're not going to do it. And so how do we forgive? Now, I believe there's three ways that we can walk through forgiveness, and I, I'll talk to you guys about this here in a minute, but I heard a message on forgiveness several years ago that radically changed my life. And it changed my life because I was walking around with unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart that was wrecking me. Yeah. And, it, and it will. You're absolutely right. It will wreck you. Yeah. And so here's, here's how we forgive. If you're taking notes, the first thing we do to walk towards forgiveness is we pray. We pray for those who are trying to ruin our life. We pray for those who are offending us. Look at what it says in Matthew 5, 43 through 44. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. Yeah, that's easy. Hate your enemy. Yep, we got that down. But you know what I love that Jesus does here is he says, hey, this is how the world says you should do it. But if you want to pull the kingdom down, this is how you're to do it. Look what it says in verse 44. It says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. <laughs> you know how hard this is? I just tell you right now, again, this is one of those things where you, you, you don't need to wait for your feelings to kick in before you start doing this. And a lot of times we find ourselves where maybe your prayer goes like this, like, Lord... Uh, I'm going to pray for Johnny. And I go to New Song Church, and one of the things that they do such a good job of is teaching me to stand on the word. And so I found a scripture in Psalms. It says that you'll break the teeth of the wicked. <laughs> and so if you could, I'd like to have a spiritual curb check Johnny's way. Pray for him in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Uh, that's not how we're to pray for our enemies. That's not how we're to lift them up. You know what's unique about prayer, specifically praying for people who are hard to, to love, hard to enjoy, people that have wronged us. And one of the things I love about God is as you pray for him and as you sit here and say, Lord, give me eyes to see him the way that you see him. Lord, help, help me in this area. What happens is he begins to do that. <laughs> And I've told, I can tell you, I've had it on several occasions where I'm praying for somebody who has wronged me or is somebody that, man, maybe I don't even know him. Or maybe whatever it is, but you begin to pray for him. And what the Lord does is he begins to, to give you some revelation about maybe what it is that they're going through. Like understanding when Johnny goes home, he's told that he'll never amount to anything. Like when Johnny, you know, he's been abandoned or he's abused. And so one of the things that begins to happen is God begins to do a miraculous thing as you begin to pray for him. And listen, it's the only, the only way you can do it is pray for him. It's the only way you can get to that point. And here's what's great about prayer. It's impossible to hate somebody who you're praying for. It just, you can't. It's impossible to hate somebody that you're praying for. 
And here's, here's one thing that I, that I want to add. This is why married couples in the room, I, I want to tell you this right now. This is why it's so important that you pray with your spouse. <laughs> this is why it's so important that every day you pray for your spouse. Because don't we know, and we see it, it's an all-out assault on marriage, not just in the world, but in the church. Like, the church is no better than outside of the world. And so one of the things that we have to understand is we have to sit here and go, okay, I know that, that the enemy is going to try to, one of the names of the enemy is the accuser. And so what he's going to try to do is he's going to try to accuse your spouse to you. And if you're not careful and you're not figuring out a way to release this unforgiveness or this bitterness, you will find yourself being counseled by the devil and you're going to be in a long, dark situation. So it's so important for us to get this. Like I'm going to pray with my spouse and for my spouse so that I don't even allow this to happen. Number one is we pray. Number two is we bless them. We bless them. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 6, 27 through 28, very close to what we just read in Matthew, but it says, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. A lot of stuff that just doesn't come naturally, does it? Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Bless and do not curse. You know, I was actually talking to somebody after first service, and uh, they've walked through some pretty, uh, they've, walked out, they've walked through some unforgiveness, and they've been able to forgive somebody, but he was saying, man, like, I, I just, like, I'm not in proximity with this person anymore. I don't even know how to bless them. Like, what does that even look like? And, you know, it's funny, because I had the same thought as I was putting this together, going, okay, Lord, if we're to bless somebody, what, what exactly does that look like outside of praying blessing over them and, and doing that? And the Lord, what he showed me was in Romans twelve fourteen. it says, bless and do not curse. The answer is in the do not curse. Inevitably, if somebody has offended you or they've done something wrong, there's going to be an opportunity where their name is brought up in your circle or in your workplace. And if you're not careful, ding, an alarm's going to go off and you're going to go, man, this is my opportunity. This is the opportunity the Lord's given me to share with this group of people how terrible this person is. <laughs> and it's important that I do this because I don't want them to have the exact same experience. So we're diving in and I'm gonna let everybody know how bad this person is. It's so easy for us to get caught into that trap. It's so easy for us to go down the road of cursing. So I believe this, the best way that we can bless somebody who's offended us is when their name comes up and even when an opportunity, justifiably so even, to, to let everybody know what they did, just don't say anything. Don't say anything. And it's important that we understand that. Uh, I heard it said this way, that it's important for us to have three to five people that are close to us that when we're experiencing these things, we can let them know the details of everything that's going on so that they can help us walk through it. Again, biblical community so they can point us back to Jesus. One of the things we have to be careful, if it's outside of that group, you're not seeking forgiveness, you're seeking attention. You're not seeking forgiveness. Don't try to cover it up and say, well, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to work through this. No, you're not. You're looking for attention. And we have, to, we, have to, we have to do everything we can to guard ourselves from that spirit. One of the best ways we can do it is we bless them. Number three is this, we do good to them. We do good to them. When at all possible, we do good to them. Look at what Romans 12, 17 through 21 says. It says, we're to repay no one evil for evil, 
We're to have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Listen to this. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. Here's what we have to understand. If we step into that role, we're trying to be God. And that's not our role. We're sons and daughters. We're not God. And what God is saying here is, listen, child, that's not your role. Don't try to avenge it. Don't try to get revenge on your own. Let me handle that. And then I love what it says in 20 and 21. And this will mess you. This will mess with you if, if you're dealing with this. It says, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And then look what 21 says. Man, this is a great verse for the world that we live in today. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. How do you overcome evil? How do you, how do you overcome the, the actions and the things that people are doing to you? You do good. You let God take care of the other stuff. You back out of it and you do good. You sit here and say, you know what? I'm gonna do good. And it's a decision that we have to be very careful with and we have to understand that we, we have to posture ourselves in that before we can ever go down that that road. And here's, here's what I was thinking is the Lord kind of broke this down as I was studying out. There's really three roads that we can take. And the first road is the road of unforgiveness, which we talked about at the beginning. And that's a road that nobody wants to go down. It's a road that will lead to death. And that's the only place it'll lead. But there's also two other roads. And the second road is one where I, I think we find ourselves in most of the time. I know certainly for me, it's where I found myself most of the time. And it's the road of delayed forgiveness. Delayed forgiveness. Like, I'm going to allow myself to be offended. I'm going to allow bitterness to set in. And then eventually, I'm going to get to the point of forgiving. Here's what we have to understand about delayed forgiveness. Delayed forgiveness often, if not all the time, has collateral damage along the way. And then we also find ourselves having to also ask for forgiveness when we get to that point. If we're going to delay forgiveness, we have to recognize that, man, we're going to hurt some people along the way. And there's going to be some collateral damage. And I'm now going to have to go offer forgiveness to those that I've hurt. It, it really, honestly, is the cycle that perpetuates just this like, nope, I'm not letting it go. And then now guess what? I've hurt somebody else. And now that person's got to make the decision whether or not they're going to forgive me. And if they don't forgive me, they're going to go down the same road that I've been in. And you can see how real quickly, if forgiveness isn't something that we offer, man, I want you to think about your kids for a minute. If you've got kids and they see mom and dad unforgiven with bitter hearts, what does that set them up for? What life does that set them up? What, what perspective towards the church, towards family, towards friends, towards their future spouse does that set them up for? Delayed forgiveness can really create some damage. I want to tell you a story that, that this was true in my life. Um, <laughs> when Chris and I first got married, uh, I was in the service and I spent the first year of our marriage overseas. And when I got back home, uh, I had a hard time finding a job that was sustainable, that, that was really good. I was in and out of a couple. And it's not because like I experienced anything crazy or bad over there. It was just because I was just a giant jerk, <laughs> arrogant, um, and just struggled, struggled in that area. 
And as the Lord worked on my heart in, in the area of pride and arrogance, uh, he actually introduced me to somebody who created a path for me to step into a, a, a roofing job, which I still work in the roofing business today. And what was unique about it is it was all God because I was unqualified for the job. As a matter of fact, I was several years younger than what they needed uh, in order to have somebody like with company trucks and stuff like that. So it was one of those things where you're like, I will never forget when I got the phone call. <laughs> I called Kristen. I'm like, yeah, I got like our lives changed. Forever changed our lives. And for three years, he taught me everything I know today about the industry. Everything. But there came a time where we had a significant disagreement. And like there was some money that was involved. And what ended up happening is I allowed unforgiveness and bitterness to set in. And I walked into his office and I made sure the last day that I left, I got the last jab. And for a year and a half, I was the most miserable person I knew. You wouldn't have known it because I wouldn't have told you, but I hated where I was at. Like I stepped into a job that looked like it was a better job, but you can ask my wife, I hated it. Every day I woke up just going, man, ugh. But what happened is there was a lot of collateral damage along the way. I wasn't kind to my family. I had, you know, issues with relationships surrounding my siblings, my in-laws, and I didn't care. I really, that's the place that I was in. I was like, you know what, I don't care. I've been hurt. I'm gonna, like, this is just, this is what it is. I'm gonna stand my ground. And I heard this message on forgiveness, and boy, did it wreck me. I remember I got in the, phone, or the car, and Chris and I started talking, and I said, I need to forgive him. I need to forgive this man. And so we prayed together, and I forgave him. And a couple days go by, and like the Lord does so often, is he, there was another step to it. Uh, a step that wasn't in the message. <laughs> uh, he said, you need to call him, and you need to ask for forgiveness. <laughs> I remember being like, kind of laughing, and then even telling Kristen, like, I can't do this. And here's how I did it. I'll be honest with you. I didn't do it because, like, I was just ready to go. I was like, he's, he's not going to pick up the phone. <laughs> no way he picks up the phone. Uh, he picked up the phone. <laughs> yeah. And I remember telling him, I just said, Hey, I just want to tell you, thank you. I said, you, uh, you changed my life changed my life <laughs> and I said and I'm sorry <laughs> because I've said some things that I shouldn't have said and I just remember there was this this pause <clears throat> and I'm like okay what happens next and I said as far as as far as the money that's still owed to me uh, we're good and I remember being like where did that come from <laughs> like oh uh, Lord, speak to Kristen now because she's, uh, uh, she's not going to like that. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, but I remember telling him, I said, no amount of money could ever repay what you've taught me. And here's what's so cool about it. Here's what's so cool about it is he helped me get the job that I'm in today. And the job that I'm in today allows for me to do ministry and work in that. So it set me up for where I'm at. And, and here's what I want you to understand. Like there's a road that I had to go down 
and repair some relationships. But the reason why I share that story is because if that's where you find yourself, God can reconcile it. He wants to and he will. He wants to and he will. And oftentimes we're the one that if we just go, okay, we're gonna move forward with this, our forgiveness in us offering that begins to help others move towards that. But I'll say this, there's a third road and there's a third option. As I was writing this, the Lord reminded me of this story and I'd forgotten about it for quite a while. Uh, But the third option is you truly do live from the position where Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I want to tell you this story because it illustrates so perfectly these three things that help us forgive. Uh, My mom and dad who are here this morning, I've learned more about hard work from them than anybody else that that I know. My dad for a long time worked as a forklift driver at a food distribution plant, rode his bike to work. Mom had a paper route. And, um, you know, they did everything they could to provide for us. And they did a great job. But in their mid-90s, my dad met somebody who began to call things out of my dad that nobody else had ever called out. Began to say, hey, you, you, you can do something. And my dad ended up going to work for this gentleman. And they didn't just become co-workers, like they became part of our family. Uh, even to this day, I would still consider them brothers and sisters. And it was in 2006, I remember I was a senior in high school and my dad had an opportunity that he had found out about that, that he can start his own business. And it was the right call. I'll say this, it was the right call. And I remember mom and dad praying about it for so long, just going, man, I think the reason why they were is they knew a tough conversation was coming. And here's, here's what I want to say too about this. I've seen this more times than I care to remember where in the business world, when somebody has an opportunity, even when they go about it the right way, the enemy does a really unique job of getting in the middle of it and destroying a friendship. He just does. I see it more times than not. More times than not, the people that are walking away from it wanting to do their own thing, they can posture themselves. They can do it the, the way that they need to. They can walk through it with integrity. And somehow or another, there's always a relationship that's destroyed, I feel like. And I think that there was a little bit of that concern here is going like, okay, this is a family that we vacation with. These are people that we love. What's going to happen? And I remember my dad has the conversation. It was a February night. It was a school night. And I remember uh, my sister, Jennifer, you weren't at the house, but it was my brother, uh, my younger brother, and my younger sister, my mom and dad, and we hear a knock at the door. (laughs) And it's them. It's the day my dad told them. (laughs) And they're crying. (laughs) Like you could tell the way over, they're going, "Uh, this is tough. And they walk in and, and now I'll say this. I'm 18, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all this as an 18-year-old. I want you to understand that. She walks in with a bowl, and he comes in, and they have my mom and dad and us sit on, sit on the furniture in the living room. They begin to pray for my mom and dad. They begin to thank God for the relationship. Thank God for our family. And then that prayer shifted to blessing. I remember, Lord, we, we pray that you would open up the windows of heaven. You'd pour out such a blessing that they can't contain it. Lord, that you would, you would provide relationships, Lord, that you would let this couple do great things. 
that you'd bless their family. <laughs> they prayed for us, they blessed us. Then they filled that bowl up with water and they washed our feet, y'all. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, you gotta understand, at 18, I'm like, who are these people? <laughs> and here's what I want you to understand, and here's the reason why I felt like the Lord reminded me of that. You don't have to let unforgiveness or bitterness set in. It doesn't have to happen. Again, this isn't minimizing what's been done or saying that it's okay, but the posture is this. I'm just not gonna let it happen. Because here's something that they understood. The forgiven forgive. They understand what Jesus said, that freely we have received, so freely we can give. Like, we understand this, that we will never have to forgive somebody as much as God's already forgiven us. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says that we can forgive the inexcusable that's been done to us because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. Our pastor says it this way, our revelation of the forgiveness that we've received from Jesus fuels the fire for the forgiveness we can release through Jesus. The third option is we just posture ourselves as people who forgive. We don't allow bitterness. We don't allow hatred. We don't allow the unforgiveness to settle in and we can become people who like it said in Hebrews, we pursue peace, we pursue holiness and guess what? People are gonna see God. If you would bow your heads this morning. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.